Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. Today's episode is going to be a little different because the guy you're going to hear from is not an angler, but he is a guy with a phenomenal story that you're not going to want to miss. His name is JC. He goes by JC Defeats. Now, JC is a person with a story unlike anything you've ever heard before. He's a guy that immigrated to the United States at age eight from Bogota, Colombia. He's a military veteran, having served in the elite Air Force Pararescue PJ unit. He's a first responder, a firefighter, a triathlete, and an Ironman. JC is a business owner and an entrepreneur. But perhaps most interestingly, in 2022, JC survived a horrific alligator attack while filming a training session swimming across a lake in Florida. The result of that attack was catastrophic physical damages, a crushed skull, a broken jaw, and the partial removal of his temporal lobe. Incredibly, JC only seems to have become more mentally strong in the wake of that attack. This is a guy that continues to serve others. This is a guy that continues to train every single day. This is a guy that continues to put positivity out there. He pushes a positive message with a guy that has every reason to be upset at the world and to stop doing the things that he's passionate about and loves has only put his foot on the gas. He has only picked up speed. This is a story about redemption, growth, and overcoming unimaginable odds, and you're not going to want to miss this one. All right. JC Defeats, what's going on, man? How are you, David? Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you. No, I, uh, Man, I'm really, really, really excited to get you in particular onto this podcast because you have got an incredible, incredible story. Um, I, I remember seeing your news, your story. In the news, when was it? Uh, maybe September of last year, you survived a uh, an unbelievable alligator attack, and it was on video, on drone video. I was like, "This is the wildest thing I've ever seen." You know, it's kind of a click. It's kind of a clickbaity title, and yeah. sometimes those sort of stories end up being underwhelming. And I figured, okay, well, you know, here's a guy that probably had a real quick little encounter with some little small alligator, and. Then clicking it and seeing the extent of your injuries, I was like, oh, my gosh. Because, man, I'm going to tell you, I have grown up around the water in southeastern United States. I've got a lot of time spent in very close proximity with alligators, even working with them. So to know that you had this encounter um, and, and came through it is, is pretty incredible. But then 
when I dug a little bit deeper, I saw that, you know, the layers to your character is so much deeper than just that. And so it, it it's really sort of uh, explained to me how you've been able to cope with something that that that, quite frankly, could have very easily killed you. Uh, I mean, you you have circled the rim closer than 99 percent of people on this planet and, and been right there on that edge. So very fascinating but you know when i hear stories like that i always want to know what 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 has pushed this guy to rebound the way that he has because going through your social and and seeing the active lifestyle that you lived even prior to this event but continue to do so in the wake of it is really impressive to me so i don't know man just kind of take me through some of your history I, i i'm very much more interested in your your development prior to that incident but uh, I mean, have you always been this 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 active guy? I mean, let's go back to what high school sports, yeah. anything. Oh man, it was uh, what a what an awesome intro actually. Because for some reason, uh, yesterday I was in the shower and I was actually quite thinking about uh, my resume, and it's one of those things in where you try to uh, you only write in resume when you absolutely have to. And uh, it's not something that I absolutely have to do, but with the development of my company and people that don't know me, I do want kind of an about JC page, which is always so embarrassing to write, dude. You always want kind of somebody else to write it. And actually somebody did write it for me, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a huge plus and a huge blessing um, was from this organization that I work with for my philanthropy efforts for Defeat X Adventure Company. And she wrote it for me while I was in the hospital. And I was like, I was kind of impressed. <laughs> it sounds kind of funny, but I was like, dude, I would love to hang out with this guy. I was like, oh, that's that's me. Uh, <laughs> that sounds kind of douchey. That sounds kind of douchey. But um, it was it was it was a beautiful letter. And it was a, it was actually for an award uh, who was sent out. But I guess to actually answer your question, um, I was I was actually born in Bogota in Colombia. Um, okay. And I my family migrated here when I was around eight years old. Uh, from just what the economy was doing there was uh, not very, um, it, it wasn't a great place for entrepreneurs, which are my parents. Uh, they both were in uh, businesses of their own. So actually um, creating Levi's, or not creating, but putting together Levi jeans. And uh, it was kind of during a time that, uh, uh, I can't remember where they're made up now, I'm pretty sure they're changed places, but there once upon a time they were i guess put together or at least the sipper was made in colombia and um in, the economy got really bad and my mom came first mm. and then we came afterwards and i was kind of raised um and everything that had to do with from a pretty young age uh, i've always wanted i loved sport just love being outside i love yeah, being outside yeah. And uh, uh, in high school, I pretty much did every single sport, whether I was good or bad. Uh, I just <laughs> love to compete, um, uh, wrestling, track, swimming, running, soccer. Uh, I don't even know how I did all of those, but looking at my letterhead, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it had so many pins that I said, this doesn't make sense. Some of these uh, sports were in the same time. I'm like, I had no idea how I did that. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and then... And then afterwards, I was pretty much through my whole adult life, 
when I was 17 on, I've been pretty much a public servant um, and public servant in different realms. The first one was uh, obviously I had tons of jobs, like from Publix grocery store uh, bagger to working behind as a cook. Uh, but when I was 18, I've already graduated. I became actually a mortgage broker. And at the same time that I was a mortgage broker, I was actually a, uh, a transporter uh, for uh, Baker Acts for, I don't know if you know what Baker Act is, BA52 for people that basically have suicidal ideations and they're a, they're a harm to themselves. Or oh, others. wow. They kind of meet a criteria in order for uh, them to be like, hey, you no longer have these rights, mm -hmm. um, you are going to be taken to a professional quote, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. And, uh, <laughs> um, so I transported these people while I was actually, um, working as a mortgage broker. I don't know. I don't know why I did that job. I get something kind of, uh, I really, something about working and helping people. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew obviously the money wasn't there. And I wanted to do something with that. So uh, at 17, I purchased my own, my my first home, uh, working like three different jobs to include oh my the mortgage broker one. And then um, after that, I realized that um, I really didn't care too much about how much money I made. It was more about uh, how I can uh, develop uh, and help people. Obviously, I need to put bread on the, the table. You know what I mean? I, that's how the world goes around but it was very important to me to uh, connect with people that were in severe need mm -hmm. and uh, um, so that kind of lined me up with continuing going to school getting my uh, fire certification getting my EMT certification and then uh, and um, finishing my paramedic license and when I was doing that when I was in in, in fire school I learned about um uh, about rescue swimmers and then i also learned about uh pjs pararescue jumpers or jays okay, yeah yeah and then during that time i was like oh i can not only can i um uh, help and save people like firefighters can i can potentially go and save the guys that stand at on at um at stadiums all the time the people that are everyone's saluting them everyone's like uh, you know, for their service. And I'm like, dude, if I have a chance to help those guys, I'm like, yeah, sign yeah. me up hundred <laughs> percent. Let's do it. So, uh, so that's, and, and I mean, I heard how difficult it was and everything else. So that, yeah. that, um, training, uh, got me lined up with, I'm like, all right, well, uh, obviously, uh, mindset, and also physical, um, I need to figure out how I can train for this. And that's what got me into the, the triathlon world. Then I started doing triathlon. I started competing. Um, and, um, and that's when I went into, um, into the pipeline. So after that, and it was about six years later of my contract, I passed all my schools, um, uh, except, except airborne. I actually got 
badly hurt during the first jump. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, dude, st- static jumping is ridiculous. I don't even know why they do that crap anymore. But uh, it's like they have the technology, man. Stop hurting your people. You, but whatever. Uh, maybe they don't have the competence in everyone. And I, I guess it's they can't trust everybody to pull their own cord. So they have to rely on a cord to pull it forward. I don't know if you know the difference between static and free fall, but uh, it, it's actually that easy. No, I, I'm the- I'm learning here. I, I'm too scared to jump out of planes. Yeah, I'm, right, I'm scared no to jump down a six foot ladder. So uh, yeah, you, can, dude. you can count me out of that one. <laughs> What's <laughs> funny, dude, is that I've been, I've been in, uh, I mean, at night with nods, not really knowing kind of like where any of my stuff is. And I've jumped at night and dude, I'm, I'm afraid of heights a hundred percent. Right. Right. Like you, dude. Uh, but it's just one of those things is where like, you kind of have faith and um, not only your equipment, but on whatever you do believe. And it's like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to go. <laughs> well, so, I, I, I think uh, I'm not afraid of the dark. So if somebody said you absolutely have to jump out of this plane right now, I would pr- almost prefer it to be nighttime. So I can't see like, because realistically, my eyes are probably going to be closed anyway. So yeah. it's going to be dark regardless. Yeah, well, well, I guess I guess that's true. Except uh, you got to do crap. You got to do stuff. You got to know where yeah. your stuff is. And You're not just falling. When you land, yeah. When you land, the depth perception. Uh, yeah, that's actually another time that I've got pretty badly injured with a concussion. Uh, I was uh, I was heading up. The the the, uh, the way that you know where you're going in comparison to your teammates is the yeah, yeah. Um, the lights the red and green. So if it's red, uh, you are looking at the front of somebody. So you're getting ready to collide to somebody. So you want to move uh, to the right side and they're going to move to the right side. So you don't hit them. But if you're green, you're good. Well, I was seeing red and I was like in the last couple hundred feet. So I auto corrected really hard. Didn't know how close I was to the ground. And I smashed the ground like super hard. Uh, (laughs) that, That was my first concussion. But, uh, um, but yeah, um, anyways, to go on. Um, so I did, uh, I went overseas and I did my, uh, my contract. I learned a lot of things, but it was pretty much, uh, I told my wife that I was going to do one contract. And then if she was in agreement, I was going to go ahead and continue doing it. And, uh, if not, if we were not in the same, um, uh, same kind of mindset, uh, we were going to leave. And it's funny because she was good to stay, but I was not. There was something that was really mm-hmm. pulling me away even before my contract ended uh, when I wanted to not just go home, but I wanted to um, help more. I wanted to do more for the masses. And I knew that I wanted to uh, start uh, my own business. And I wanted to, I didn't know what the hell that looked like. I really yeah, did not. Yeah. I had no idea. But I kind of really just kind of trusted in that decision. And I wanted to uh, to figure out what it is that I needed to um, to do in order to uh, to kind of fulfill that idea. So then I before I ended my or I finished my contract, I sent a couple of uh, um, of resumes to departments that were hiring in my area. So I kind of got hired before I could even start. Um, and so I never stopped working. So I work, I started working with the city of Baltimore as a firefighter paramedic. Yeah. Since I already still had all of that certification. 
And then, um, and then that's kind of what I've been doing. I really went deeper into the triathlon world and then the triathlon world and where I was, I was, a, a I guess what they would call the world-class athlete, uh, and where yeah. I was ranked in the top, uh, top 10, or actually I, I was first place in 2019 in Florida. And oh, that wow. was just me just really having a really good time and just yeah, seeing yeah. how much I can push it. Uh, and in a couple occasions I could have gone for my, uh, professional, my pro card. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was really never something that I wanted to do because if I wanted to go for my pro card, I knew that I was just going to be mediocre. I was going to be at, I was every single time I was just going to, uh, rank among the lowest professional athlete. And not that I, not that I cared. It was more like the uh my time was never going to be completely 100 percent to this sport or even 50 percent uh so uh and also i'm i'm older um so for a lot of those guys they've kind of done triathlon all of yeah. their life and they're just like uh, above their genetic um uh, gift in endurance which I'm not gifted in that at all. I it, mine is just all hard work, like right, super yeah, yeah. hard work, super grinding. Like, <laughs> uh, so so when I when I see somebody that has kind of like that genetic ability, it's like, dude, just work a little harder, and you're gonna be amazing. Yeah. But uh, uh, and now, um, obviously, after my incident, I'm still in the fire service, um, and I think that I I will be going back for a little while until i completely figure out um what it what my business um looks like in a um in a in a, in a monetary way i guess yeah, if, yeah. if it can if it can completely take over and i can be uh comfortable living the life that i live then i'm 100 percent going to do that but i'm not going to put my wife in any further stress uh than i already have for the last five months <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah well she seems like from what i've gathered she seems like she's been uh a, a godsend as far as the support that oh, yeah. you know i i've i really looked at every article about you that i could possibly find and the common denominator seemed to be your wife's presence so that's a blessing in itself but uh yeah just oh, un, un, unpacking your layers of i don't know character development and, and growth is, is interesting to me because um you know you you kind of Obviously, you highlighted experiencing uh, immigrating to the U.S. I know that that can be an extremely stressful thing. I uh, imagine I've had an, another guy on here that had a similar uh, trick. But then I know firsthand experience the kind of uh, mentality that you get when you're wrestling. So you go from, you know, uh, immigrating at a young age, the uncertainties that are there to a sport like wrestling, coupled with the other sports that you got involved with. Um, and then just having those humble starting jobs. And then it seems like you've had such a progressive track in, you know, putting more of a, a an attitude of servitude on yourself since then. And I, I know that that's an interesting one because I feel like a lot of men have that voice in the back of their mind. That's like a greater calling, but they almost feel, I don't know, indebted by their education or indebted by societal pressures to be part of the greater machine that drives the economy and not so much answering that call to adventure or serving others or, you know, doing that. And I think some people clearly that voice speaks louder than others. 
But um, a lot of folks, I think, hear it. And I don't know. It's like they let that window go by. They let the opportunities to take that track in life go by. And, and you know, if it, once you start, I don't know, it's 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 it, you have to take that leap at an early age, I think, or it's hard to to go back, because like you said, once you get to a point where you're indebted to making sure your kids are comfortable, your wife is comfortable, you can't start taking those reckless uh, life risks. But uh, at least you're doing something still, like, even if your company, which sounds awesome, is supplemental at this point in time. What it's supplementing is a really, really like admirable career path anyway. The PJ thing I get stuck on because when I went to the Citadel, you know, I, I uh, roomed with a guy. He's a state trooper now, but he had um, really, really gotten interested in the PJ thing and kind of explained to me, you know, a lot of people don't realize the, and I feel like your humility sort of let you gloss over the unbelievably difficult selection process that Air Force pararescue swimmers go through. I'm familiar enough, and I've got another uh, buddy, and this is, you know, small chance, but I know that that community is small. By any chance, do you know a guy named Thomas Sullivan? Okay, I'll take it as well. No, the, no, the last name sounds familiar. Um, I I separated in 2018, and the the reason that I may actually be the, the last name sounds actually very familiar. Yeah. The thing is, is that right out of the schoolhouse, I was actually one of the 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 two or three. It's actually not yeah. even that many people that was fortunate enough to get selected to go uh, uh, overseas right away out of the schoolhouse. Okay. So I went. I went. I went out right away. Yeah. And uh, uh, and because of that, I was actually even in a smaller unit than all the other units were. So in the in in the bigger uh, units uh, that had like a lot of my teammates uh, going into uh, and where I would have not that I didn't have kind of a close relationship with that. But, dude, that name sounds really familiar. If you show me a picture, maybe I'll have year, to send you some what, pictures. Well, he's he he's 35 as well. We graduated from college in 2010, and I think he would have jumped straight into that career path. I mean, he commissioned as an officer right out of the Citadel. We went to a military college. I went yeah. to law enforcement. I didn't, I didn't go the military route, but uh, I don't know his path because I think he's still in it. Um, he's actually a really avid fly fisherman too. So he's like a guy that has that. And I, I, I want to have him on here, but I also, you know, I, I also want to respect that if he's still in that, I don't know how much he can even discuss it, but yeah. yeah. Sidebar conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sidebar conversations. I'll sh I'll shoot you a picture of him. He's okay. He's, um, he's a he's a really solid dude. But anyway, Sullivan. That's a common name. So so who knows? But um, that one's always been very interesting to me. Uh, I got a great deal of admiration for the guys that do it because you know y'all are in the air, you're under the ocean, you're on mountains, you're doing those long distance rucks and you know runs and things like that. And I know the attrition rates like upwards of. I don't know, 80% or something like that. So, uh, depends on, yeah, it depends on what you, what you kind of read. Uh, obviously some years is uh, closer to 95. And f for me, for example, um, if I started my initial in doc with 120 out of those 120, uh, after the first, let's say dev in doc, after Indoc, there was out of the 120, there was less than 20 left. And then out of those 20, 
after um, after let's say PJU is done, um, I had I think six. But yeah, so it was it was I mean I guess obviously more classes come in and join because there would be no way that that would be like an efficient system if they had six dudes graduate after two and a half years of school. Yeah, yeah. So I did graduate with I think like twenty something, but out of the twenty something, that was kind of like an accumulation of probably if i had to guess around 600 people uh, or actually more, probably more than that but 600 people that i got to meet not the people that started kind of like the boot camp and then went to dev so um if i had to guess probably over a thousand people uh and there was like 20 something people that made it out of that oh wow um, and it's uh it, oh, man that, that that was i, I always kind of align that with um the funnest time I never want to have again. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess is, it lines up with a lot of people's military career, some better than some others and some worse, for sure. But it was very interesting for me because I was always looking from the pers- a perspective of like a, a, a wider spectrum perspective, meaning like I was looking at people that were much stronger than me, much faster than me. But for some reason, like, for example, I saw two collegiate swimmers and a, I can't remember if he was like an Olympic um, uh, decathlon or, I can't, it doesn't matter. I can't remember what it was, but uh, they would tell me their accolades like athletically. And then when Mm -hmm. I saw them drop out, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> it's always so com- confusing and also disheartening. I was like, wait, dude, you're such a good dude. And also, I mean, a lot of people did, um, were just not able to do it. Um, right. Yeah. Physically it, and physiologically almost because people find out that they had heart problems. People passed out too many times and people would um, do all sorts of, there's all so many reasons why right, you right. either, you you either got flushed out by the system or you quit yourself. Yeah, that's always interesting that that it's the mentality dynamic and you see it on different scales. And you, obviously you've seen it at peak levels where, you know, you're getting put in some of the most stressful situations you can in the hardest type of environment. But even at the smallest, like, you know, I I have, you know, let's say a, a management role where I'm managing laborers and that's what I do. And it's, I'll have physical jobs. And it's always very fascinating to me that I can get uh, two different employees to go do a physical task. One of them might be built like an athlete, a young man who has the physical tools to do the job. And then the other might be a small, elderly, I don't know, physically limited individual, male, female, whatever. And a lot of times you'll see the guy that has all the tools to succeed quit. And I'm like, well, what's, you know, what is the difference maker? And it's purely mental. So I've, I've always been real fascinated when I see that. And I'm like, well, there's a conditioning for the body that's physical. And then there's a conditioning for the mind. That's something else. And, and you can't see that you have no way to know. I mean, you, you can't tell whether it's some big, strong person or some little small frail person, what their mental fitness is. So uh, I always get fascinated by understanding how people 
got that condition. But uh, it's funny that you saw that real time in that environment because I, I, I witnessed that too, even in different uh, elements. But it's it's funny when you see that the people that have all the physical tools to to do it and for whatever reason mentally check out or or what have you. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, it, I think there's three strengths type of strength and obviously there's all sorts when you branch them out but at the core is three factors that kind of uh move us forward and you hit those two which is the physical and then the mental and the one that people kind of forget a lot about is that spiritual mm-hmm. and where they kind of uh and they really don't even know how to work it out they don't even know what it is but if you have even uncertainty in that one i i don't know if you can really you i think you can uh, pr- not pretend because I know a lot of people that don't even think about spirituality at all, whatever that means to anybody. But once they have that uh, missing, I can, I, they're never really mentally strong either. They, yeah. they're, they're really not. Um, meaning they definitely portray themselves as mentally strong, but then something happens oh, dude, or somebody dies or, uh, or they lose, they lose somebody, they lose something they're a mess. They have no idea. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I thought I was mentally strong. I thought it was this. I was like, yeah, but you're still human. Right. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, there's that. No, I, I like the way that you put that. And, and, and that's awesome. I, I agree. I've always kind of said too, that the people that are the most keenly aware of their mortality and, and the uncertain timing that that might show up, um, just seem to, I don't know, they seem more mentally fit as well. Um, and a lot of times people don't recognize that until they have had an experience or they have observed other people encounter that. And, uh, and your story is interesting because you, you have kind of seen both, I know as a, as a first responder. And, and I imagine the kind of military things you were involved with, because by nature, what you were doing was extractions and, and, and rescue type missions. Right. So you're not exactly diving out of an airplane into a daisy field. Um, yeah. it's, it's, you're, you're, you're showing up to somebody's absolute worst day. Yeah. Uh, and, and now you're doing it as a firefighter. And, and I recall my, albeit brief stint in law enforcement, I kind of got that perspective fresh out of college, no real life experience, no experience with any real adversity or difficulties. Um, and, and I got thrust into it quickly and I was, uh, you know, it's, it's very humbling. And I, and I went on fire calls and I remember like watching those guys run in. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like the reality of it is so much more profound than what you see on TV, what you see in the movies and to see, uh, you know, kind of from the outside looking in somebody that's, you know, I don't know on death's doorstep or that has transpired in some situations. Um, you know, it kind of gives you an interesting perspective and it makes you appreciate the time you have. And it makes you, I don't know, kind of devote yourself to living a more fulfilling life during the time you still have. Cause I've said it in, in other episodes on this program that if I had a greatest fear in this world, you know, it's not an alligator, but it's a situation where I am deeply afraid of a scenario where I'm laying, let's say, and this is a morbid thing, but it's real that, that I'm, I don't know, at, at the end of my life laying in a deathbed and I'm thinking back of my time here on earth. And if I did not have a fulfilling life where I had left some sort of legacy, whether it be rearing my children the correct way or having had some kind of unique life experiences, 
that it, it just is it, it I don't know it fills me with like a different sort of deep guttural fear that like a like I don't know some other type of scary scenario just doesn't do but um but I agree when you supplement that too with like, like a level of spirituality and you're comfortable with where the afterlife's going to go I don't know you just become a lot more grounded and appreciative of of where you're at but um you're speaking my language here for sure yeah i figured um yeah it's really interesting because um you you you're talking about meeting people even in the uh, when you're a police officer go into people's dire need and where like they they quite literally could not deal with whatever it is and where they had to dial 911 right or they had to call whatever else for someone else to come and of course that that comes in a range of uh in where some people think it's like wait you're calling 911 for that or you're like yeah you're absolutely calling 911 for that and what became very interesting for me is that as I grew up in uh, not only in my in, in my faith, but more in my uh, in my ability to see things clearly. I guess let, let me explain what I'm talking about. If it's very common for firefighters to or or even uh, or even doctors, this this happens in the ER all the time, and where a person goes in for that very common call of that stub toe. You hear it, it's like, you know, it's like they call for a stub toe or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, is that that's very easily um, made fun of. It's like, come on, man, you stub your right. toe. Like, what are you doing calling? Mm-hmm. What What I've realized and what I've been noticing is, is that they are not calling because of their stub toe. They're calling because of all of the other shit that you do not see. Yeah, yeah. But now they finally have a reason as small as it may be in where they're like, Hey, uh, can you please come to my house? And now don't get me wrong. Obviously there's a lot of people that abuse the system, but there's also a lot of people that just are only getting help from the pharmaceutical world. And that is, um, it's a never ending cycle, man. I mean, most of the people that I would go to for anywhere from high blood pressure to, deficits from strokes chf copd you name it um as i'm talking to them i'm also looking for the for the grocery bag for the for the for the walmart bag and what i mean by that is that these people have a grocery bag full of meds full of meds all of them just tons of meds they kind of know what they're taking them for some of them take them religiously some of them don't but they're the same. And, and, um, and that type of people are kind of like, and I have a huge admiration for, uh, for firefighters, for uh, uh, ambulance drivers, for police officers, dude, man, it like, it quite literally hurt my heart when, uh, uh, when cops were getting uh, shit on um, a lot, a couple of years back. Uh, or actually even still now yeah uh, because some of the best humans i have ever met have been cops like don't get me wrong humans are humans they make mistakes just yeah, like yeah. everyone especially when they deal with quite literally the worst of society but 
like their drive and their like um their what they stand for and once they have like a pretty good department and where they kind of have like a good sheriff head and we're like hey we're here to help the community and this is your job dude oh man those people are amazing dude i have such admiration for police officers like uh, that is not my cup of tea because i feel like I feel like I don't have that uh, that temperament. I think I would. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it gets tested. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, dude. Like I would just. I think I take out my gun entirely too many times just to <laughs> just to pop some in the air to calm these people down, and I think that's frowned upon. So, uh, but yeah, man, God bless those guys. They're they're amazing. But that actually kind of really maneuvered me into the. Uh, the ethos of what my company is. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, I, I attempt to help people before it gets really, really bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I can't do it in a big, huge, or maybe I can. Uh, I guess that's just completely up to uh, what's up ahead. Right. Well, what's interesting to me about you is it seems like every time you've gotten yourself in sort of a difficult life situation, you've made like with, with great intent, uh, a personal decision to jump into something, you know, even more difficult, whether that's, (laughs) whether that's career wise or just, or just for the fun of it. And I don't know if that's because I don't know, uh, you know, there's a personal satisfaction. You probably get out of those things. That's like maybe selfish in a way, but you, you got to experience some really, really, incredible things i imagine like for instance in in your experience in the air force but if you were to just jump out of that straight into some mundane lifestyle i imagine there's like an emotional crash it's much like somebody getting off of a drug and i think you see that with some veterans and you know i've got a lot of friends who are veterans and it's and and i'd be honest if i i'd be lying if i didn't say when i left law enforcement i didn't go through a period of i don't know i struggled with that decision for a while while I feel like it was the right decision now, just financially and things like that, if my personal circumstance sort of needed that change, I got into jobs where I definitely came home and I felt like this deep sense of dissatisfaction. Like, you know what? I, I was in a career where I might impact somebody's life in a very profound way, and, and now I'm not. So I think sometimes those guys, you know, yourself included, you have to find different outlets or some other way to challenge yourself, whether it's physically, whether it's a different career, whether it's starting a business, whether it's helping somebody else. But um, the, the, I think the element in you that's driving you to want to share this with other people is really admirable. But then you jumping into this like voluntary self-torment that is uh, triathlons. I'm like, you know what? Count me out of that. I mean, I can barely, (laughs) I just, and and I try to stay physically fit. I think it's important. It's, it's, you needed to do that. If I'm going to prolong my passion for, for me is fishing. I don't want to get to a point where I can't do that anymore. So I need to start laying the groundworks now. We're like, I told you earlier, we're in my gym right now. It's all right over there. And I met my wife in large part due to her, uh involvement in fitness she's a personal trainer when we first met but boy I, i'm not about to go out on a run with her she, she she'll eat me up i just the running things i ran enough at the citadel the college i went to when i got out of there i'm like i ain't running no more but uh for, for you to make the like the i don't know it's it's weird that i don't we we still feel that need to sort of like physically punish ourselves 
Um, so, so that's yeah, cool. man. You've done it at a very high level. I uh, uh, I have this conversation with people that don't get it. Um, it's not so much that they don't get it; it's just they, they, it's just a different perspective, and um, it's much easier. Or how do I? word this i guess is it's much easier or i think in my opinion it's much better to um select your your pain meaning like uh either you can in with intent aim yourself towards whatever it is that um that ceiling that you're gonna hit where it's obviously going to be painful uh, perhaps emotionally and actually physical, because um, mm -hmm. you'll see that a lot of people emotionally break down from endurance sports and physically too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's life, man. I feel like, and and that's with a lot of sports, but triathlon specifically, I started because I knew that I needed endurance to go into what I was doing. But as I was doing that, I started competing and I quite literally fell in love with the sport. But I let, I fell in love with this sport <laughs> because I was beating people that were um, that for some reason needed the sport to make up some type of pedestal to mm. what we hit on before, like catching the big fish right, right. just so you can take a what picture. What can of I it. get out of this? How yeah. can I be the star? Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And uh, it was really interesting <laughs> with me because. I never really needed to be put on any kind of pedestal. Like I didn't really care, yeah. but it was fun winning for sure. Don't get me wrong. W winning is fun. But I, um, I learned that I actually enjoyed uh, losing, like getting second place was probably like the best races that I've ever had because yeah. uh, I don't need to tell you, but maybe some of your listeners don't get it and where you come up short and then you're like, wait a second, dude. Like, what did that, I'm looking at that guy. It's like, why, why did that guy beat me? It's like, what? It's like, what did that guy yeah, do? Yeah. All that guy did was that he was either smarter with his training or he outworked you. So yeah. that right there was like, wait, dude, that guy outworked me. It's like, forget that. That's not going to happen again. Let's, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Let's go again. So that, that part was really fun. Uh, until uh, in, in triathlon, the, the categories are based on age group. Which I mean, a lot of sports are like that, but in the age group category, the most difficult um, throughout triathlon, and especially Ironman, which is the longest distance, yeah, yeah, is uh, it's thirty to thirty-five and thirty-five to forty. Those are the people. Those are the kind of like the youngest, and also kind of like usually within that world, the people that are very successful at a very early age. Because, dude, triathlon is super expensive to get into oh, okay uh, yeah very expensive to, it's it's a very elitist sport you'll notice mm -hmm. that like the people that do it are like your ceos your uh your entrepreneurs that really just yeah. kind of are done being at the top of whatever pedestal they find to be important and now they want to be on top of another one and uh that that sounded kind of uh negative and it's not it's just it's not yeah. right not wrong it's just what it is and um 
and it was it was really fun for me going in with like a three hundred dollar. Well, at the time, I, I mean, I made it a little bit better for sure. I didn't go in there with a mountain bike or anything, but me passing ten thousand or twelve thousand dollar bikes just because yeah. I I really worked <laughs> super hard, uh, and I also knew a lot about aerodynamics and I knew a lot about uh, efficiency and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, so. Uh, that was kind of just super fun for me. And also the places that you go to, that was kind of, I, I love yeah, yeah. traveling. And uh, if you had, if you could travel to different countries and see different surroundings and quite literally have streets shut down for you to race. Yeah. Dude, sign me up. Even though dude, the races are super expensive. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about uh, at the shorter distance, we're talking about 120 for the shortest one. And at the biggest one, it'll be like $1,200 for an event. So it's, uh, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. Sport. Well, it's, that's interesting. I, I feel like when you get to a point, I don't know whether it's athletically or whether it's whatever you're passionate about, that you're competing more against yourself than you are with the people around you. That's when you're going to get the most fulfillment out of it. Um, you know, I, I even like just to draw some parallels. Like when, when I was wrestling, when I first got into it, I wanted to beat that. I wanted to beat that guy, but then it got to a point where I don't know. I would look at the guy across me on a mat and it, and it wasn't, there was no face. There was no name. There was no, it was an obstacle. It was a measuring point um, for my own training. How, how well have I prepared? And, and now I'm going to have to test that against an unwilling partner, something that's not going to, dance with me here that's that's going to offer it it was an opportunity to meet resistance in a really unique way but make Mm. no mistake for me it was i am here to test my preparation and i feel like you can be a little bit i don't know and if you lose there it's like you're more fulfilled and then in the sport you're doing and i'm just imagining here because i don't know i just I, i don't know that i could do it maybe i'm being too hard on myself I think like if you're running a you sprint, need the right coach, yeah. <laughs> you need the right coach. <laughs> if you're running a hundred meter race and you're trying to be the fastest man on the field, maybe you're worried about the guy next to you, but it seems like in those endurance races, and this is just my imagination, there's got to get to a point where it's you're hitting your wall and it becomes like you versus you. And I don't know if you have to start tapping into some reservoirs to figure out a yes. way to. There, there is a lot of people like that. I would say let's let's go with like 80% of the people that sign up for longer endurance triathlons or actually across the board, any triathlon would uh, meet that criteria and where like they go in, it was like, well, you know, I just train really hard and I'm just going to finish and I'm just going to do my best and I'm going to try to get a PR and if that gets me a good position, cool. Dude, that was never me. That was yeah. never me, and I don't think it's ever anyone that uh, does it in a high level. It's always like, okay, this guy's competing. I'm like, all right, well, I got to either beat him at the end or beat him at my discipline. It gets, it gets to be – you have to be way more strategic, uh, but it's also what you want to get out of it. If you're trying to compete and do really well, it's a different mindset, or if you're just trying to do it to keep healthy – and to finish and to stay uh, injury free, then that's just a completely different mindset. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I, when I think about that, and I think about some of the physical things that I've done, at least I I have always had enough self awareness to know when, or at least I try to. I try really hard to, but I think we all kind of subconsciously find reasons for why 
we need to stop something. Oh, darn, I can't work out today because I got to do this thing. And it's like it's it it uh, it can be dangerous because it's like a relief sometimes comes over that that you don't have to get involved in that. And I think a lot of people find convenient reasons why not to do the hard thing. Mm. And that's that's kind of where your story became really interesting to me because you kind of hit the worst sort of wall anyone could possibly hit um, in what you experienced in September of last year while training while on video, just kind of walk me through that morning or afternoon or that training session. Just, I'm just curious how the day transpired as a whole. Oh man. Um, I've answered this question a lot to myself because I was trying to figure out the intricacies of the miracle. And that was actually one of the the reasons that I actually wrote a book. Um, And it's, uh, it's it's in the finishing. I actually finished it, but now, now I'm getting ready to kind of publish it and figure out how that works and oh, yeah. uh, what I can, um, I guess, kind of like what's the best way to distribute and all that nonsense. And obviously, I have, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I'm not a writer, but I knew that during the time that I'm sitting down, not doing much uh, and not doing much, meaning I am limited to having a piece of my skull missing. Um, I have to figure out, you know, what other stuff, um, I am meant to do. Uh, one of the things that I'm not meant to do is sit, um, uh, not quietly, but doing nothing. I know that most men live quiet lives of desperation, not doing nothing. So all I have to do is just do something, you know, it's yeah. not going to be physical. It's not going to do whatever, but it is going to be something. So I guess to uh, answer your question, the initial question of talk to you about the day, there's a lot of things that happen uh, that I didn't think about for a while. Very unusual things that happened during that day. But the the common denominator is just me rushing through things and uh, kind of being arrogant about um, things that I just knew uh I, I knew how to do what I did in a safely manner, meaning uh, I always mitigate the risks. This is something that I that was driven in uh, when uh, when I was a PJ in every single either mission or training or whatever it, you were getting ready to to do. And that's just kind of military model. Actually, not even military model, even firefighting or any kind of mm-hmm. quote unquote dangerous job. Is where you mitigate the risk. Is the juice worth the squeeze type thing, right? Yeah. And when you don't mitigate the risk and you just go out, it's almost kind of expected. So instead of a 1% chance of this, it's more of like a 50% chance of this. And all you got to do is just kind of study your surroundings, figure out what's going on. And dude, I completely threw caution to the wind that day. Just utter blah. Um, to include seeing an alligator there before I jumped in the water. Uh, now, uh, I will kind of, um, and obviously somebody listening to this will be like, well, you're a moron, you're dumb. <laughs> and the thing is, is that for the most part, I guess, um, it, a lot of, there's been, a natural fear that those animals have for us that has disappeared with this um, 
people say love for these animals, but really it's kind of just an utter kind of disrespect for the, uh, for, for the dominion that we do have over animals. And for some reason we kind of show them more respect and unusual love, really more, more respect and love for an animal than you have with a human, which is, dude, it's unbelievable to me. It's just, it's sad, really. Yeah. Which I spoke to you about the, the gentleman that I had a conversation with and quite literally the trauma that he had with his attack, with this alligator attack was not from the bite. It was from the, I don't know if it's hundreds, but definitely, uh, I don't know, more than 10. He told me the number. I can't remember. Um, But of angry phone calls of angry emails from yeah. people saying you did this now it has to do this 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 and this yeah. like dude, people are so messed up and i feel like really kind of this really sad but that entire day was it happened in a way where uh, i wasn't actually training i was actually um it was about a month and a half after my world championship uh kona experience it wasn't kona it wasn't saint george it got moved because of covid and for people that don't know the uh the ironman world championship is something that you you can't sign up you have to qualify and then you go and you go against the best people in the world the fastest people in the world everywhere and you are basically um yeah, you're going against studs and only studs. And because I was training and I was also working and I was also managing a triathlon team and a cycling team, I was kind of just, um, I was enjoying myself for sure, but I was just kind of worn out of the sport and I knew I wanted to take like a full refresher. So I wasn't really training all that hard. That day, I was actually shooting an instructional video because as part of my company i shoot and i um i i work out all the logistics and planning for races and this race was going to be a little bit different than just a regular triathlon so it needed a little bit more explanation and instead of writing it down i wanted to have a video to explain um what you were to do it was kind of, that's exactly what that was, exactly why the drone video was there. But I was running late from one meeting and on to the next one. And I was meeting with this gentleman that was assisting, assisting me with the drone footage, which later I found out that there was a lot of missing things with the drone. And he wasn't as prepared as I thought that he was going to be because the video footage that is um, on YouTube and it's all over um, uh, multiple newscast that was actually one of six one of six videos and all of those are very short snippets of actually really pivotal important sections of time to include a time that i stopped because i saw a large island of floating vegetation which was unusual yeah and what went through my mind of where I thought I was going to turn around, but I didn't. And I thought it was kind of an arrogant thing. Maybe I should have turned around there. 
But afterwards, when I played the entire video and I'm, I'm getting ready to edit this, I, I want somebody, I want to do a voiceover to kind of explain what I'm trying to explain to you. Mm -hmm. um, and that entire day was for that pur purpose. When I was attacked or when I, <laughs> I don't know if attack is the right form, it's more like uh, during the unfortunate meeting because it, it really was a meeting. I was swimming towards it and it was swimming towards me. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have my goggles and I didn't have a swim cap, which was pretty important because I had pretty long hair. You can see that I had pretty short hair now, but my hair was like pretty much classic, actually kind of close to nipple line. Um, it, and the common excuse of trying to grow out your hair enough so you can chop it off and give it to uh love for locks uh but yeah. really dude my my wife just loved it yeah. <laughs> my wife just loved the long hair and i don't know if i would have actually cut it dude it was probably one of those empty promises i i mean if i saw like a kid with cancer that wanted hair dude absolutely i would have cut it yeah yeah but uh but yeah it's one of those things so a lot of really small little things that are very unusual to happen did happen and on top of that i got a, a video which a lot of people have told me that it's uh what was it night nightmare juice yeah nightmare <laughs> juice oh yeah uh, anyway like they watch the thing is like and sometimes i watch because i have the, i have all the video on my phone and i have you know conversations okay aren't you that guy i'm like yeah i mean like, yeah that video i actually have other ones that i'm trying to explain and they see that i'm not affected like 90 whatever percent of the people that go through a very traumatic experience right right and that wall that you speak of is very true uh to include even today and days where i'm not accustomed i've gotten very accustomed to waking up early in the morning and do just lately that bed hugs me in such a way and <laughs> that it's like no you're not leaving me, dude. Just yeah. shut the lights off and shut up and go to sleep again. And I've fallen to that, um, especially now just coming back from vacation and where like the time is different and I, and mm -hmm. I really don't have to do anything except just wait until my next uh, procedure. Uh, but that's not me. And it's also kind of, it's, it's attempting to change who I am. Yeah. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be like, if I do this, I'm going to fall under this. And it's so awesome because this event has um, provided me with such a perspective that I truly needed in order to have enough confidence to uh, help people at, at, a, at a pretty high level. Mm -hmm. and, and I say this because before I would always talk with, or I would hear people with a title of life coach. And I would hate that term. I would yeah, hate yeah. it so much, dude. Because especially from young people, it's like, oh, dude, like get over yourself. You have nothing to, uh, and, and people that charge all of this money. And mm -hmm. it's like, um, I would have a really hard time swallowing that pill. Yeah. And people would tell me, it's like, oh, so you're basically a life coach. I'm like, stop. Like, no, I'm not a life coach. I'm not. Uh, but what I'm 
kind of doing now, and I know you didn't ask me this, and I'm sorry I'm going over this 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 tree no, no, branch it's, here. It's okay. Um, it's that I always had a certain level of sympathy for somebody that wanted to progress and become better. In sympathy, not in that I'm superior and I'm looking down to them. It was right. more like, oh, I see that you're having a hard time. Let me help you. But now I have such empathy because I am quite literally, I have seen the two darknesses, the two dark areas, not darknesses, that doesn't make sense. The two dark areas that a lot of people quite literally battle with on a, if it's not a daily basis, maybe a weekly basis. Yeah. And that is the manifestations of kind of two demons, if you will. Uh, one of them is the, uh, the worry and the stress of the future that manifests into anxiety yeah. and the sadness and um, overwhelming feeling of the past that manifests itself as depression. And I had both of those uh, in very short snippets, thank yeah, God. Yeah. Uh, and they were so overwhelming. And uh, I actually wrote it on my book. And it's just a, it's a wonderful thing that I experienced because I didn't know that existed. I had, yeah. well, no, no, of course, I knew that it existed. Trust me, I've gone to enough uh, very sad individuals where I am quite literally treating their deep laceration because they wanted to kill themselves. Yeah. And I've also uh, have dealt with people that have uh, are, are dealing with this unbelievable anxiety where they're just completely irrational and just, you know, you, you tell them to slow down their breathing. But I've, I quite literally realized that that is such an ignorant thing to say to somebody that's, doing that um so it's been uh and i know it's weird to hear but my very physically traumatic event is a huge blessing to me yeah the only thing that i could change possibly i know it is is the trauma that i put on my wife and my family (laughs) like if i could do the entire thing over and not put that much stress on my family uh, I would, uh, I would do it again. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like the worst time I would never want to have again with the military. Um, it, maybe it'll be a little bit different. Cause yeah. I, I see it as such a, a powerful, awesome thing. So, uh, so that, yeah. that's kind of how the day planned out. I know that wasn't your yeah. question, but no, no. I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're saying the real meat of the experience is that it's not, how how bad did the uh bite hurt? Like those are the very surface level things. So I'm much more yeah. interested in 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 that side of the situation. Um, and reading it, like I I was really really interested in reading. You know, uh, I don't know. You're you're just common theme of always putting yourself second. It's interesting to me. And and the one thing that I read about your story that I thought was very interesting in the immediate uh wake of the attack. And it's amazing to me that, like, I don't know, it's like you see the 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 head-on collision between you and this, I mean, massive alligator. But then there's a struggle, there's a fight, and you know that that was probably an eternity wrapped up into a very short period of time, I imagine. Uh, but then your immediate instinct or 
autopilot or whatever happened that drove you to that nearby. There was a dock nearby. So the physicality, I imagine in the wake of that to pull yourself up onto the dock, go straight into self-treatment. Um, I mean, there, there's, there's so much you have to be equipped with to, to have the wherewithal to do that. But what I was really impressed by was um, the article that I read described that I think maybe you were, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you were first approached by a resident of that home that was a child. And you went straight into, I don't want to scare this kid. I don't want to frighten them. And, and you know, for you to have the presence of mind to think, I don't want to scare this kid rather than help me, help me screaming, going into pandemonium mode is really, really impressive to me that you, yeah. you, were, you know, that part, that's crazy. Just like, I mean, yeah, dude, uh, to be honest, that's actually out of, out of, out of everything. That's actually the thing that I'm proud of because it's something that I always harp on and always something that I really dislike of people in need. And I get it, dude, you're in need. You're in like, it's me, me, me. Uh, but also you, you haven't looked behind you. Your, your mother's dead behind you and you're worried about you. It is such a sad type of behavior. And I always kind of pray to not be that person. Yeah. And I've kind of been, it's never been really me, but also I've always, oh, uh, quite literally, I mean, the motto for a pararescuement is uh, that others may live and that others may live has been kind of my, uh, my motto for a long time. And it still is, maybe not quite in the military, but life is uh, obviously not only precious, but um, it, it's it, it's also, um, I guess, not only taken care of by in, in the physical sense, but also in the kind of like psychological sense. And where a lot of these broken people are broken down because of experiences and not even physical ones. Like even in, in the fire service, um, if you, well, I'm not going to give you the question that I usually give. I'll just break it down and where it's 80, 20, dude, 80% is the, um, the, the, the type of calls that we get because of their psychological calls, yeah. their psychological calls, because they have, fallen because they're either too drunk because they are overwhelmed by their darkness or they have um, they say that they have this diabetic problem but they have this diabetic problem because they are internally unable to control their eating habits and their lifestyle so yeah. it all comes back down to kind of like whatever uh psychological trauma that they had which are they are unable to quite literally help themselves right and then obviously the 20% is, you know, your car accidents, your fires, your things that are kind of just accidents that happen that are just unforeseen or sometimes seen, just people are just <laughs> dimwit. <laughs> We're like, you know, uh, they start a fire because of a cigarette or something silly like that. So, uh, so that's always kind of broken down in the 80-20 uh, rule that I've kind of, uh, implemented. And I really just kind of want to help that, uh, um, the 80 percenters I'm forgetting of why we got into this tangent, dude. I'm sorry. Can you bring me back? No, no. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a tangent. It's an important, like, I don't know, or, organic path of the, of the conversation. And, you know, you just having the mentality to think of, um, you know, the other person that saw oh. you in the condition you were in. Right. Oh, yeah. So that's why I went on that. Right. So uh, watching that video and actually there's a short video right after that when I uh, uh, when the attack happened, 
when I got my what what I call it kind of like my uh, <laughs> my spiritual orders, if you will, kind of like that um, that heartfelt message of what I needed to do, but I needed to do it. I quite literally, it's not like I could sit there and just kind of hope that um, whatever it is that you believe in for me as God to kind of elevate me and put me in a place is, uh, uh, it's not how this works, how the, the software of the world, it's you do have to put in your effort and have enough faith that you can get out of the situation and act upon that. Uh, there's always, there's always that. So, uh, and for me, the message was very clear, was open its mouth, swim to the dock, you're going to be okay. So I felt super okay with that. I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I'm like, ah, so cool. And, and you knew this was an alligator when it happened. You said to open its mouth. I mean, it was, Yeah. was it an well, immediate realization of what was happening or what was like, what the hell just like, I would think maybe a boat hit me. Maybe I, yeah. I don't know. No, yeah, a hundred percent. So it was, it was a second. It was more like, actually, no, dude, it was so weird. Like the, I, I got that, um, that, that feeling very quickly where I really didn't know where I was in until I felt scales and then teeth. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll go over this rather quickly because it's, well, maybe I'll go into as, as um, deep, deep detail as you want. But it's when I, when I spoke to Flavio, the crocodile conflict expert about the details of how this could be done, because people thought that I was the strongest person in the world opening an alligator's mouth, especially a 12 footer or even, even a five footer. Do you just like, no, that's yeah, not going to yeah, happen yeah. unless you're right. Uh, and, uh, as much as I want to take that alkylate from the world's strongest man, it's like, right, take it easy, dude. Like I, I may be good right. at some things, but I'm not, but in, in the, uh, in the reality of it all, if you think about it, if we are in a floating prone position, prone position, meaning I am, um, looking down at the water mm-hmm. and that's swimming. I meet the alligator with the very first, which I didn't realize, the very first hit was snout to skull. I initially thought that it was uh, my head into its jaws. That's what I thought the first impact was. Mm -hmm. But I was actually incorrect about that. And further clarification came with the x-ray of my skull and where I thought that the the divot in my skull was from lack of better word, kind of like the canine, the fang teeth from the alligator. And I thought that that's what it was. But if you follow the scar, that doesn't make sense. It's completely in a different area. Well, Fabio was like, well, dude, take a log that's just floating in the water and you didn't see it. And you hit it going I don't know, the equivalent of like three to five miles per hour, mm-hmm. you're going to have a really badly bruised whatever you hit it with. Right. Now add another three to five mile per hour, maybe even faster, because that thing was beaming towards me. Yeah. And we later found out that it was a female guarding a nest. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it was going towards me. So it hit me first with its snout, which I felt like I ran into a telephone pole. And then it opened its mouth. So mm-hmm. I got, I got, I got a, a, a combo, <laughs> oh, a, com- a combo hit, dude. 
uh, Chompers hit me with that combo. And then what I did was um, was following kind of the instructions that I was given was more like if I was open to open its mouth, I did it in a very natural, beautiful way, which now looking at the video, uh, it it, uh, it it corroborates my story, which is another reason why I love that video. So I was going towards it and upon impact, upon snout hitting my skull, I was with my right hand stroke. And for anybody that swims or maybe people that don't swim, all you're doing with your swim stroke is that you are grabbing as much water in front of you to push it below you and propel yourself forward. That's pretty much what swimming is. Yeah. I guess kind of like the easiest definition for a swim stroke, uh, a freestyle swim stroke obviously is different for different strokes. But with that, my right hand was trying to grab water, but instead of water, I met it with scales and then very shortly was teeth. And then that's when I already knew. Um, so my right hand went to the lower jaw of the gator. Okay. Which obviously if you've, it can imagine a swimming alligator and you are swimming also. My right hand went to the lower part and then more like um, muscle memory of anybody that is an endurance swimmer or maybe not even an endurance, any swimmer that has swimming for a long period of time, they'll tell you that they're not really thinking about swimming. They're thinking about their position and they're thinking about uh, um they're not so much thinking about their swim stroke, just like a runner wouldn't think about the next step that they take. Yeah, It's more like muscle memory, go, 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 go. Well, naturally, when this ended up here and I was grabbing quite literally teeth, they were dull, large teeth. At the time, they felt dull, but I'm like, oh, man, my hands are going to be jacked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh, I'm going to have so much blood in my hands. Uh, but with my left... Uh, I started almost like muscle memory started my left stroke, but instead of finishing my stroke, I grabbed the upper jaw. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I grabbed the animal with my right hand at the bottom and my left hand at the top, I'm trying to do an opening motion. Okay. Mm -hmm. So because I was doing this and I was talking to Flavio about this, I'm like, Hey man, I, I know how this sounds. But I don't think that it flipped me. I think that I flipped it. Can you help me rationalize this? Am I like, is this, is this a silly thing? He was like, well, tell me more. Like, well, how, well, how, do you, how do you think this happened? And it's crazy because the size of the animal actually made this even more likely. Obviously, you look at a big gator, you think more chomping power, more um more aggression more strength more yeah, everything yeah. because bigger heavier everything well because it was larger and it actually potentially didn't this is this is more of like a 70 percent truth i don't know what the gator was thinking yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i know what i was thinking and i know what i did that's that's definitely like a 99 percent truth right 100 percent truth if you want to believe me uh, but you can also look at the vi video to corroborate the whole thing. Right. So um, it was likely that it didn't know what I was doing and kind of figuring out with that bite. 
And also, as if it was figuring out with that bite, I was, because I acted so quickly, what I did is that he called it a state of tonic immobility, which I think you've played enough with gators and where you kind of have heard the term or know that when you turn alligators enough, they go kind of limp. And when they go limp, the very first thing is that they lose strength in their mouth and they just kind of let go. Well, uh, as I'm trying to open his jaws and I'm quite literally in there deep, I mean, so deep that I have a three to four inch laceration on my chest, probably about like two or three inches above my nipple. Yeah, uh, And that's all really neat for people that are not watching. As soon as I do a right hand stroke, it, my hair is kind of covering up on my chest. <laughs> but uh, as soon as I do a right hand stroke, it lines up with my face scar. Because before I'm looking at my scar, I'm like, what is this, the end of it? Uh, like the end of the snout, you know, the, the front of this of its mouth. I'm like, how does this make sense? And then I go like this. I'm like, oh, so I literally was um, I wasn't even um, all the way in its mouth, meaning like it didn't I, I didn't get attacked by like the, the front of the of the snout. Um, so I was kind of like so deep whatever that's not important it doesn't matter but i was i was i was deep in that thing's mouth right yeah uh i was <laughs> i was checking his tonsils <laughs> yeah so uh so when i am turning it flavio explained to me that it is a lot like a uh, um, a small plane propeller and where you don't necessarily have to completely turn it around in order to turn it's more like it turns and it wants to turn with and as soon as it turns uh their eyes go into a state of stigmas and then it just kind of just goes limp so that's exactly what happened to me and um the 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 huge incredible thing was also that i it went limp just the right amount of time for me to go to the dock that I was directed to. Cause there was yeah. two docks. You look at the video and there's two docks. Okay. If I would have gone to the dock on the right side, I would have uh, maybe made it um, and then gotten out. And that dock is a private dock. The dock that I went to was a homeowner association dock. Mm-hmm. The dock to the right was a, uh, the house is owned, I've, I've been told, owned by a gentleman that is rarely there. And uh, the likelihood of me having to jump a fence and go over and look at other homes was pretty high. I right, don't know right. for a fact. But what I do know is that the dock that I went to was about three to four feet above water. So um, after after I uh, rotated the animal and kind of placed it in this tonic immobility state i knocked it out if you will it sounds better that way (laughs) i knocked it out uh because i knew what i was doing of course you know i'm an expert in all to do with alligators i'm just an incredible human Uh, (laughs) i know dude i had no idea what the hell i was doing i just kind of did what i had to do and i did and luckily i knocked it out um so it uh i swim to the to the dock and uh, that's where you uh, where you heard about kind of like the next the next stages and things that I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's interesting. It's it's I mean, it's one of those things where I think it's real easy for people to kind of armchair biologist 
the whole situation. But it is curious that you mentioned that, that there's a possibility or maybe they even confirmed it if there was a nest nearby. You know, and, and again, I'm not an alligator scientist, but I would think that there's got to be a difference between a protection like coming at you to get you to go away and a predatory response where you're a food item where, uh, you know, I don't know which one's worse. But um, you may I, I would think maybe you could have benefited from it. Maybe it felt like it had gotten the job done and getting you to simply go away. But again, it's it's one of those things. And it's not really it. It's good and bad to sit back and kind of like analyze those things when you're the person on the outside looking in. But I did think it, you know, it is. Almost kind of sad when and you mentioned the um, the guy that had reached out to you saying that actually the most negatively impactful thing out of all of it was maybe the public's reaction. And, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just not healthy to go to the comment section on, but I always look at that. And I, and I did, I, I had, I I'm going straight to the comments. I got to see what these people are saying. I'm not going to engage, but sometimes I just find it fascinating how people who live and it seems almost without fail, the ones that will react negatively in I'll dig into it and I don't want to judge a book by its cover, but I'll look at these people and I'm like, you know what? This looks like a person who lives a very sadly mundane life that is looking for a way to validate their reason for not doing anything that's risky. If that makes sense, because you'll see these people that go, that's why I don't go to the water. That's why I don't do a triathlon. That's why I don't climb a mountain. Okay. Is that what it is? Like, is it, is it, is that really the reason or are you trying to validate? So these, you'll see these people who live this very unhealthy and unfulfilling lifestyle that don't want to point at themselves for not taking, you know, risk. Not that you, you obviously want to be calculating the things that you do, but I think of the people that live on, on the edge, the people that, you know, go mountain climbing. And there's that cast of people that are quietly sitting in the shadows that only watch because they want to see disaster <laughs> yes and it's such yeah. a it's such a sad thing and so i went and i looked at it i'm like you know look at all these people who have done nothing with their lives that are excited to see somebody who is doing something with their life fail it, and it's like that's why i don't do that no that's not why there's there's it, the thing the point like you know fingers need to be pointed at yourself now to your point you know, I'm, I'm sure you had moments of like retrospect and thinking, well, that probably wasn't too smart. But, uh, you know, it's again, it a lot of the most fulfilling things we can do in our lives kind of have a, that element of that risk that's involved. Um, so, you know, there's just no sense sitting there and, and think of that. I sometimes wonder how often death passes people by and they don't even know it every time oh, you dude, get in your car. Every day. Yeah. I mean, every second that goes by, the potential is always there. But I mean, I think if you and again, like I said, it's you're smart if you recognize that that's looming. But if it keeps you living this sheltered, I don't know, unfulfilling life and it and it frightens you to the point of never doing anything interesting. I don't know. The end result seems worse to me. Like you're you're dying in a different kind of way to your point, almost dying spiritually. So that's. That's uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. And, and, you know, I seen there's one other guy out there that I saw that probably has the most similar story to yours that I've seen, or at least the nature of the attack is probably the most similar. You probably saw this, too. I know there was a guy. He was in the Peace River here. I think it was the Peace River. 
and he was diving for shark's teeth in the river. That's the gentleman and, I'm talking about. Okay, okay. Yeah, because he had a GoPro on his head when it yeah. happened. And What's that was another... I, I don't remember, but one simple Google mm-hmm. search. Um, but that was another one. And again, the people in the comments section, what are you doing diving for this in the rivers? What are you doing? No. Check the dude, box. He got death threats. So it's just outrageous. He got death threats. And when I when I spoke to him, I, I, I really had had it in my heart that I really needed to talk to this kid because yeah. it seemed to me that he was still kind of uh, having that those lingering effects. And I really wanted to talk to him because um, I just wanted to see like, you know, because well, the very first thing it was what amazed me was that he was so. um wanting he just was so adamant about meeting me and making sure that i was okay you know i was like dude this is so nice of you and yeah and actually i didn't want to sound rude and be like hey dude i i'm really okay like this is not a front like i'm perfectly okay i mean physically yeah, yeah. yeah my head <laughs> my head looks like it's uh, <laughs> a large pumpkin and i have a <laughs> giant scar and i have a tube down my throat and all that stuff but dude i'm i am fine i know it's weird to yeah. Because I, I have heard people say I'm fine, and it's not the fine. It's more like leave me alone type. I'm fine. Yeah, and yeah. mine was not like that. Mine was like, dude, I'm I'm fine. Thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you so much for everything else, uh, for your kind words, for whatever. Um, so I think he felt like I was just kind of maybe shooing him away. But then I just kind of messaged him. I'm like, hey man, do you still want to have this conversation? And once I did, and I'm hearing this. Uh, this young man, I heard the passion of what he does with the shark teeth, and I also, yeah. uh, and I also heard the um, the hurt from these uh, these people online that just have like absolutely no concept of the meaning of human life. Uh, right. Like you, they they were so upset about this animal that it's not even my opinion it's um it, it it's a fact whether you like it or not i don't really care but it's uh it's a fact that they're overrunning some areas and it uh it makes no sense in why there's a limitation of um of of uh, uh of tags of hunting them it just right. it makes now I don't know too much about the limitation and all that, but I do know from I actually live on a lake here and I actually do swim on this lake. Uh, and there's a lot of water activities that happen on this lake. That anytime that we call somebody, when we do see something that is large enough to call, or when it becomes kind of a nuisance, right? Um, they take forever to come. And if they come at all. And actually, I learned something pretty interesting talking to somebody, uh, but I won't go down that rabbit hole. I think I'm going to be interviewed by somebody for this particular thing. And I'm trying to figure out how I can be strategically helpful in that realm and where it's like, you know, if if you're not going to put money into into this public service, then just allow the public to do something about it. Sure. Well, I, and I can expand on that too. Just like I said, I mean, you, you know, again, this is primarily a fishing podcast, but it's, it, it goes beyond that. I want there to be some depth to this, but being that 
I have spent so much time around the water and clearly I've, I've, I've been around alligators. There is a very interesting irony behind the same people that will say now he's responsible. You know, I mean, it, you know, oh, they went and euthanized the alligator. Look at that. He's responsible for the death of this thing. Are you responsible or. I have just noticed in certain areas that I go fishing, the alligators are extremely bold to approach. And what has caused them to become emboldened are the very same caliber of people who are complaining because they're out there feeding them. They're conditioning them to uh, understand that humans need food. Humans are like a source of food. So the same people that are saying this are the ones that may or may not have given this alligator uh, a, a level of boldness to approach in the first place. Because I will go to very remote places in my fishing endeavors. And if you see a 10-foot, 12-foot alligator, they're the most timid and shy and afraid of all of them. And if they're not used to seeing people, you can't get anywhere near these. They are gone. It's the, it's the areas where public is there's high public traffic. So, like, down here, I do a lot of fishing on the Tamiami Trail on US 41. And there's a lot of roadside attractions along that route. You get a lot of out-of-state people who want to get out of their car, take pictures, do this, do that. They're throwing bread. They're throwing hot dogs. They're throwing marshmallows. These alligators down there are out of absolutely out of control. And it gets to a point where when you're fishing, and it's the same thing with anglers who are irresponsible with their catches, the alligators will look at you, and they know if you're holding a fishing rod, dinner time. I'm coming to take that fish. And it's like there's a responsibility to frighten it away or just leave and not perpetuate this problem that is causing these things to approach, approach, approach. But I just always find that very ironic. The very people that are the biggest proponents for the animals' rights in the wake of these attacks are the ones that, that have created this, whether it be a campsite that bears come into, and these people think it's a cuddly bear, they can stop. You see the videos every year of them getting out at Yellowstone National Park walking up on a bison, getting so gored. <laughs> and it's just, these are the same people that, I don't know if they watch too much Disney or what yeah. it is. They don't understand the reality <laughs> of a it. wild animal. But they are the ones that have emboldened the, the animals that a lot of times cause these issues. They happen 90% of the time. Well, I'm giving percentages. I shouldn't give percentages. But these attacks that keep occurring in Florida or where have you, ironically, are happening at golf courses. They're happening in gated community, private lakes. They're happening in places where the alligators are surrounded by people. And they, they, you know, and I've lived in these neighborhoods where there's that celebrity alligator and they call it, oh, that's Big George. You've named it. You have an emotional attachment to that thing. And that's not good for that animal. It doesn't care who you are. It wants your dog. It wants, you know what? They're there to eat. That's so it. I hate to go off on that tangent, but it's something I feel very passionate about beyond being an angler. I, I, I want people to have a realistic outlook on wildlife. So it's, you know, it's just one of those places you look at the comment section. It's like, it's the Dude, least outdoorsy people that want to have the most to say. I know that people that are usually surrounded by four walls seem to want the most say about places that don't have walls. It makes no sense. But, uh, dude, I just got back from Costa Rica. And um, there's a place close to Jaco <clears throat> where it's a bridge that goes over kind of like this small little uh, inlet that goes out to the ocean. And I joke, I'm not really joke because they, they are uh, dinosaurs, but dude, 
the crocodiles in that area are maybe they seem big because of i don't know maybe the reflection of the water but when i tell you that these things are dude i'm i'm looking at it i'm like that's not normal that thing is 20 freaking feet dude like it actually i got I, I was confirmed there was an australian family next to me and they go what the hell are they feeding these things and there's a restaurant um mm. that obviously gets attractions they're actually called like um in spanish alligator something and of course people stop to look at them and then they go eat and drink or whatever so i'm sure that it's illegal for them to put food down but dude the amount of them like 20 30 of them just kind of just sitting around in the perfect area for people to throw things at them it's unbelievable and not that it's going to be in the news or maybe it is dude here pretty soon there's going to be a terrible accident that had to do with some kind of kid or some kind of local surfer or some kind of because they obviously they go and try to expand or whatever and then they come back and i mean those are closed beaches where people surf yeah and uh dude these things are monsters they're just (laughs) just look at i was just amazed of their size they were just yeah it it made me want to have one of their skulls uh, which dude i need to go hunting with you i would love to uh, uh to go out and fish one of these days uh with you i want I, not necessarily because i want to hunt it because some type of revengeful thing but i do want to eat it and I, I think it would be cool i think it yeah. would be cool to have a um like a not a taxidermy because i think that would actually do the taxidermy would be sick yeah but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but even uh but even a uh um like a skull which actually i was promised a skull but I didn't, I didn't really follow up with it. Um, well, I, ironically, yeah. I have one in my garage of a 12-foot alligator. Really? I won't, I won't get in the story that may be self-incriminating as to how I <laughs> acquired the skull, but I've got a skull, <laughs> and it has an interesting story behind it, and it's like one of my most valued things. Uh, oh, and I awesome. like you, but I can't give it no, to you. No, but, no, no way. You know, no, I, when, you were, when you were describing that, I was thinking of that Billy Madison. Uh, uh, is it uh, Billy Madison? No, yeah, it, uh, Madison. Happy Gilmore. Happy yeah. Gilmore. Oh, no, it is Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Where, uh, what's the character's name? It was, it's Carl Weathers, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and they like he like brings him the alligator and it scares him. And he falls out of the it falls he out of the window and then he dies. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So, so he's so traumatized. But uh, I don't know. That kind of leads into the the obvious question that people are going to ask. And it is you know it's like I know what your answer is because in this period of time we've gotten to know each other. I know your character. But people are always going to ask, oh, will you ever go back to the water? Can you ever yeah. swim again? Dude, I, I thought immediately when somebody asked me that question, I'm like, yeah, of course. But the thing is, is that um, when I would speak to a lot of people and, uh, and w- people that have been in some type of physically traumatic event and where they think they're over it and it takes them years to do, et cetera. I'm talking about even somebody that uh, got in, a, uh, in, in, a, in an accident with their bicycle and they're literally unable to ride their bike for a really long time. So, you know, you can talk the talk until you do it. So when I said it, I'm like, Hey, yeah, I I would love to, like, I want to, whatever. But I was in Costa Rica just last week and we were in Tortuga Island 
And uh, a buddy of mine, this is the first time that I swim since because uh, mainly because I still don't have my temporal lobe. I don't know if you can see. So I, I, it was just one of those things and we're like, if I go swimming and something hits me, it's kind of like, dude, what a bummer. Like, let me just chill out completely. Uh, but in the ocean, when I was there with my friends and people that I've actually trained previously, I was, uh, I looked at the island. They were like, dude, let's go swim to that other island over there. And I'm like, yeah, dude, if you guys are down, like, let's absolutely go. We'll write something down. Dude, there's nothing better than um, an out and like an adventure swim. It's just awesome. Yeah. And uh, uh, the 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 boat was getting ready to leave. He gave us like a 20 minute warning. I'm like, all right, dude, it's now or never. And I'm like, all right, dude, look, come on. So I, I got them all and then we started swimming. It ended up being like, like a 600 meter swim which dude is so long for somebody that hasn't swam in like five months <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and uh uh and actually it was against the current and the very first 20 strokes dude it was quite literally as if i was swimming into the mouth of some type of animal mm-hmm. and it's one of those things in where i i talk about this a lot with people that i sense some fear and excuse me i talked to them about irrational and rational fears irrational fear is something that you kind of made up in your mind or have heard of something and uh you just kind of that has quite literally stopped you from doing what you're doing just because of your um thoughts and feelings you know what i mean things that really at the end of the day don't really matter (laughs) you know what i mean like your feelings nobody cares and they don't matter that sounded kind of harsh but let me let me follow up and where um and then we'll 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 say like rational meaning like uh, a fear of like something right in front of you and where you don't want like if you if the stove is hot you're afraid to put your hand there because it's going to get burned it's like yeah that's a fact because it will get burned that's that's a rational fear that prevents you from doing that that's a good thing that's a good thing uh, but you not wanting to touch the stove, even though it's off, that's irrational. That's an irrational yeah. fear. So, um, with this, it was, um, when I was swimming, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is irrational. It's not going to be any alligators through here. There might be some other kind of animal, but the likelihood, once again, it's, uh, the boat life there's other people there's current there's all these different things it's very yeah. unlikely that something is there and I had to quite literally just snap out of it because that's kind of my uh, lifestyle and it's where uh, I love exploring I love uh, being outside I love uh, experiencing God's creations in the best way that I know how which is through my own efforts yeah. Uh, putting my, uh, you know, a, a foot in front of the other or a stroke in front of the other or, or a pedal in front of the other, however. So um, I, dude, I can't, I can't tell somebody to do something and then me not being able to do it. It's, I can't be right. a hypocrite, you know? So, uh, so yeah, that, that kind of fear just kind of went away after I looked. And dude, one thing that I have noticed is that when you, um, let's say me, uh, and I think this this could really work for other people. And where you, when something stops you, you are very. Uh, 
when you are affected by a trauma, you immediately become very self-consumed, very worried about yourself, and mm-hmm. which is it's not bad. It's not it's not bad or good. It's just a fact, right? Well, I found that when you immediately take yourself out of that situation and worry about others, that fear goes away. Yeah. yeah. Fear completely goes away. I can give you like five different examples of how I found that out to include my very first public panic attack in New York City. Mm. Um, but in this case, I turned behind me because I'm, I'm, I'm a faster swimmer than my friends. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I, I turned, I stopped and I turned behind me because I wanted to see if they were okay. If they were made it because we were already swimming maybe like 100 meters. And as I, soon as I turned around and I saw them swimming, my fear disappeared. All gone. Yeah. So now I'm gone. So uh, now I'm going to completely, because I was, I was uh, swimming with fear, legitimate fear uh, for about like, maybe like 50 to a hundred yards. And then when I turned around and saw those guys, it just completely went away. Yeah. So that's, uh, uh, and, and I've used that quite, quite a lot. Um, and yeah, I hope that helps somebody that's listening. Yeah, for sure. And I think we've kind of covered like where I know most people's minds going to go before they, you know, I don't know, some people like me want to know the, the deeper side of it, but you know, people are always going to ask, you know, why were you out there? How did you survive? And like, what next? And I think you've expanded up on that. Um, well, hang on a minute. It got me right near the eye. I've, I've, I've held out so well. Uh, but anyway, just, I mean, as, as we kind of wind down here, I mean, this is such a, a, an, a an amazing conversation. And, you know, being that you live only in Tampa, you know, I may have to reach out next time. I, I fish around Tampa a lot, so I'll have to, I'll have to get you a heads up. Now, if you want to come fishing with me, that's great. I'm more likely to do that than to join you on one of these long distance runs. You know, I just yeah. be slowing <laughs> you down. But um, Dude, um, let, let me um, interrupt real quick. So yeah, yeah. Uh, part, part of my business is actually fishing spear and actually kayak because that's all uh, part that of is the awesome. Industry, right? yeah. And we actually do have a store uh, that actually sells kayaks and every single accessory that you can think of. Yeah. Uh, and if you are down and you don't have a kayak and we want to come, you can show me fishing around my area please contact me. I'll connect oh, yeah. you with everything to include rods and we'll go out and you can show me dude. Yeah. Well, we'll have to set that up for sure. So I'm, I imagine we'll be in touch even after this, but uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm looking forward to but it. But anyway, um, I'm just thinking, you know, what I appreciate about, appreciate about you. We, we kind of expanded on some of the negative thoughts that prevail in society, the negative comments. It's just, I don't know the space that we kind of exist in too much. Um, outside of our normal lives that's online or in front of a screen where people feel a lot more bold to spread the negativity out there. And I will just say, I, I appreciate the source of positivity that you're putting out there. That's combating that. I think your voice <clears throat> speaks um, with a lot more authority, given your real life, legitimate experience. Sure, As I talked about that. earlier, when I hear people that say negative things, I can take one click and see they're speaking from no depth no i don't know um but anyway and and the fact that you have had every reason to stop doing what you love and be passionate about but rather than to stop or find a reason to stop it seems like now you're i don't know it's like you have more of a why to actually pick up the pace so i i've got um every bit of confidence that that this company that you've started that is just 
I mean, by design is to help other people. It's going to take off. Your story is incredible. Um, Thanks, man. But, but man, between the book, um, the company, uh, you coming on here on my little old podcast and just, just, just putting your voice out there to continue to tell that story. I really appreciate your time. Again, it's not fishing, but it's very, very important message. And I'll always open the airwaves for people who have a unique story like this to kind of, kind of share. And because, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people out there who, I don't know, they themselves have found a reason to stop doing what they enjoy, no matter what the passion is. I don't care if it's crochet. They poke themselves with a crochet needle one time and don't want to do it anymore. But um, that encouragement is hard to find nowadays, especially yeah, from somebody yeah. who, especially from somebody who's actually has real life experience and coming back from something. So dude, very, very inspiring. Um, this will be a hard one to top, at least for me. So I, I really appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate your no, time dude. coming on here. Oh um, man, my pleasure, dude. Thank you so much for inviting me, man. Yeah. We wanted to talk to you for, and I'm, uh, congratulations on your, um, on, on everything, on your organization, the setup, uh, dude, yeah. um, continue, man. I, I'm very much looking forward to what's next. And if you want to have me again at any point, I'd love to, I'd love to be on. Sure. Well, one last time too, because people are going to find this very interesting, but, um, where can they find you on social, your website, again, reminder of the company name, we've talked about it, but I, I want people to know like where they can go to find more, to, to get, get a little bit more involved, um, whatever, how, how can people find you? So, uh, the website is join as I'm asking you to join a team and, uh, join defeatx.com. Defeat is D E F E A T X.com. And the website has been changing, uh, in the last three years because I, I, I was trying to figure out in which angle I wanted to be the most help and also to provide the most amount of value. Mm -hmm. And I think I have found that there's a couple of things that I need to figure out logistically to where I can actually start bringing in with consultations and start building these adventure teams. Um, because the end goal is to train people into a vacation. There's a lot of people that go on vacation and come back and be like, holy smokes, I'm really out of shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, instead of having that, it's more like having a very figured out adventure vacation and where you're like completely ready to go on it and just have an unbelievable time and some a story that was um uh, that you're able to repeat with other adventures or uh you are able to tell others and you know uh, stop living a life in where you take a break to really enjoy life and instead kind of hitting it from another angle if you will but uh, a handle, my personal handle is JC Defeats on uh, Instagram, and then DefeatXCo is the handle for uh, for the company and where most of my athletes that I have, whether in any kind of endurance side, is there. That one has been kind of been stalled out because I'm, I'm unable to manage my athletes and from uh, not being able to kind of be outside myself, but my uh, uh but my last surgery is at the end of this month and god willing i'll be out there again in probably like the end of february beginning of march and the book will be i guess i'll just kind of keep that on the uh, uh on the low we'll figure okay. out 
when uh, um, what publishing, what what area will be out, but it'll definitely be advertised on one of those handles if you are uh, if you are interested. It's very raw. It's very um, not really caring about people's feelings and thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's more like <laughs> this is what I know to be true, and I this is what I know it's uh, uh, a helps. And I know it's going to kind of hurt people's feelings. Uh, and I'm actually kind of aiming to not hurt people's feelings, but really kind of do the right awakening that right. needs to happen instead of this BS woke thing. And that is just, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, is very superficial and doesn't really have any facts, yep. uh, which is really aggravating. I couldn't agree more. And I'll be anxiously awaiting the book and uh, I'll be sharing all the 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 um the socials and the websites and things like that because people got to check it out there's a there's a lot of good and it seems like you're pretty um you know as consistently as you can posting short clips of you know little tidbits of motivation but um it it comes from a guy that's really been through it and and i think you've painted that picture very clear today so jc man really appreciate your time we'll be in touch for sure after this yeah, dude, for sure. Oh, oh one last thing. Uh, yeah. You can also find me on YouTube, which is kind of like the next thing oh, that yeah, I yeah. how how I'm gonna drive the the uh, the interviews and the podcast to talk about with other people about their traumatic experiences and how they've figured it out, or maybe they haven't. Um, and that would be uh, that's kind of my next adventure there. But that's kind of like the YouTube. So uh, subscribe if you can to the page. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Very cool. All right, man. We'll let you get to it. I appreciate you. Take care, brother.